everyone, welcome to Bookversations. We're your hosts, Sayed. And I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Bookversations. Today's conversation is inspired by The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World. A little PSA for our Muslim listeners before we start. This book is written by a Christian pastor, John Mark Comer. Although our spiritual beliefs don't align with the theological aspects of the book, we believe the book generates an important conversation on the state of our society today. We also believe in the principle of taking what is good, and of course we'll be relating the concepts that are discussed in the book to our own Islamic beliefs throughout. With that, we open the episode. Okay, so let's start with, why did you pick up the book? Like, what intrigued you about the book? So, why did I pick up the book? I think you you told me you'd bought a book, and then I when you told me the title, I was like, oh my god, because I was in a very intense moment in my life where I've been saying to myself, since coronavirus started, my life goal had been learning how to slow down. Yeah, um, and I just thought that it was something I really, really needed to read, especially because it was coming from a religious perspective or a spiritual perspective, and also I'd been like looking for practical t- um, tips or steps to actually be- make slowing down a way of life as opposed to just doing things here and there and so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to read it actually. Same to be honest I feel like living in Nigeria changed my perspective on time because there's one thing you have to appreciate about Nigerians. Nigerians work hard but they also play hard. I think our western conception of time is very different and you wouldn't know it until you leave it but it's all about productivity it's all about busy 24-7. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it takes it takes a toll on us, not just physically and emotionally, but spiritually in a way that I don't even think we're acknowledging or we found a way to conceptualize yet. Like we've normalized a certain kind of culture that I don't think should be normal. What mm-hmm, do you think? Mm-hmm. I agree. I was talking to someone even before I came across this book about how I feel like life is always so busy. And when you say that you want to slow down or you want to focus on only one or two things, you feel like you're the odd one out because everyone is doing this. And I mean, I remember towards the end of actually middle of last year when I read some self-help book, I felt so sick. I'm like, I am so sick of people just telling you how to wake up at 4 a.m. and maximize your <laughs> life until 10 p.m. and then wake up again and then wait on and then do the same thing on the weekends. Like I, I just was like, I'm sick of self-help or all these like productivity intense books. I mean I yeah. appreciate that there are people like that who love that lifestyle, but I don't like that that's becoming the norm. And then you who just wants to live a normal life. I mean normal as in you want to have a section for work but also have a good section for health and for life and for enjoying yourself you seem to be the odd one out because everyone is saying, you know how, like, even the, I mean, it's nice to have a side hustle and stuff, but people are always like, you need mm. to have at least four things going on. Oh my God. Your main on your side and your side, side, side. But I'm like, I just want Everything. to relax. And take a deep I used to be one of those people. Yeah. I think maybe like three years ago, I definitely used to be one of those, got away from I agree, years. no, no, like, same. Can't same. get out. And I think to some extent, some of those self-help books does feed into, I, d- I think productivity is important in an Islamic perspective in the, in the idea that we are advised to use our time wisely. But I think what mm-hmm. we're missing in the framework that we employ now is that Islam encourages balance in everything that we do. So even Actually, in our let's time, talk about that for a second, because I think my biggest struggle 
So my mm-hmm. biggest struggle with being productive was the fact that, as you said, Islam encourages balance, right? And I didn't think I thought about that. I just always thought in Islam, you're accountable for your time and I had to make the most of my time. And that was also at a time where I'd read The Productive Muslim, right? And yeah. it was about like waking up early. I mean, I'm a fan of waking up early because I do believe that there's there's a blessing in that time. And also I love working in the morning when it's early. Um, so I didn't have a problem with that. It was just I, I felt like I wasn't balancing well the other aspects of this, this will of like being productive. You're accountable for your time, but you're also accountable for your mental health and your spiritual health and for your exactly. body and for your relationships. And so you shouldn't pump like 90% of your time into work and then only 10% into all of the other aspects of your life. I mean, that was one thing I was missing, even though with the Productive Muslim book, it does break down your goals into six areas like faith and community and health. But for some reason, I just thought about everything in terms of like getting things done, getting things done, getting things done. And I think it just took a lot of like, I guess, life experiences, but also reflecting and listening and realizing that things just take time. Definitely. And I also started reading more about like solitude and like silence because I think it, it started to bug me over time. Mm. The fact that solitude and silence is, is a big thing in Islam, but it's difficult to incorporate that when you're thinking about being productive all the time and how Allah loves and values us being like silent and taking time to reflect. And I also feel that reflection is not something that happens in one day. So you don't say I'm going to be reflective tomorrow. I think it's a a habit that you build. And so I was struggling so hard to understand how to balance being productive 24-7, but also taking time on a regular basis to just mm, reflect. It's a life phase that I think you go through. I don't know for you, mm-hmm. like, I think for me, it was definitely like after you go through like a period of burnout that you're like, this isn't a sustainable way to live. Yes, like, literally. That was it. I and was like, also, God, Exactly. And you also find that it's not, it's not fulfilling because the other aspects mm-hmm. of your mm-hmm. life that actually matters in terms of your relationships, your friendships, they start to lack because you're concentrated so much on work. And I think what mm-hmm. I like about this book is he draws a lot on the nature of the capitalistic society that we live in. And I think that has mm-hmm. a huge amount of um, influence on our perception of time because a lot of it is mm-hmm. about productivity and output. And you're looking at everyone else and eventually you start to assess your self-worth through how productive you are and how much you're producing. And that's such a dangerous psyche to fall into. So it's, it's one of those things that you have to you have to unlearn because Definitely. it can't last. <clears throat> I remember I came across someone who told me that she was reading a book titled How to Do Nothing. And I was like, sorry, oh. what? Like <laughs> um, but right just now. the title enough was like, it piqued my interest a lot. And it was a conversation mm. about like the capitalistic society has taught you that your time must be, it must like, your time must account to some some form of output in that sense, right? Output that you can account for I don't know, maybe in terms of money or something and how you should go against that. And she was one of the things that she recommended in the book, for example, was going bird watching because you're just watching birds, Mm. right? And I thought that was really interesting. And you know what? I was listening to Heartwork a couple of days ago and I remembered one of the things that Ustad Abraham Murphy was saying, which is something I thought about a lot, was he was talking about the story of Zakaria and how God told him to to not speak for three days. But also one of the qualities that God mentioned of John was that he was someone, his son, someone who is very reflective. And he was saying how, have you noticed, or if you pay attention to like the history of like important people in Islam, prominent people, before something really big and miraculous happened to them, they They've all already been spending intense amount of time in solitude oh and reclusion. And you think about like Mary, for example, she was isolating herself in the masjid in the mosque for a while before she then got the message, right? 
Um, yeah. And the Prophet was always isolating himself to the cave. He didn't know he was going to be a prophet, but he used to isolate himself for a long time mm. before he then got that miracle of the Quran. And I thought, this is so interesting. Like, it's so important. And there was this hadith, actually, I read how the Prophet said, I think, one hour of reflection is better than standing all night in prayer. And I was like, I got it powerful but it's so true because as I was reading the book as well I was thinking about the nature of how much we number ourselves and I love that quote when he was saying we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion like rarely mm, if we have mm-hmm. time we're not thinking again about doing nothing it's let me go mm. on my phone it's let me watch a tv mm-hmm. show let me mm-hmm. listen to this mm-hmm. and by the end of it it means that we're not actually taking the time away to reflect on the state of our lives the state of yeah we're not taking cognition of that and I, I really felt that when he was talking about like we're distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion because distraction doesn't just have consequences for our lives in this world it has consequences for our life in the hereafter and mm-hmm. I think it was from Sheikh mm-hmm. um was from the start of the Roman Murphy that is in one of hot work where he mentioned that eventually our destination we're going to spend so much time in the grave in silence yet oh, here we gosh. are run away from the silence <laughs> that will benefit us Dude, when he said that, mm, I was uh, like, oh my deep. God, it is profound. Like, we're Something else that came to mind. Yeah. Something else that came to mind when I read this is one of the verses of the Quran that's my favorite verses for keeping myself in check. So, I mean, every time I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I'm, I'm like in a rush. I always remember this verse from um, Surah Taqweer, where Allah is like, so where are you going? And mm. I ask myself that question to send to myself because I'm like, where are you rushing to? Where are you going? It's not God you're going to meet at the end. Like, like exactly. what really matters at this moment in time? And I think that's like, those are the kind of things we need to ask ourselves because you rush for so many things. But when you're in a state of constant state of rush, what you realize is that it never ends. Literally, you go to sleep, you wake up, you're rushing again. Like, it's just, yeah. you have to take the, like, you have to take, make the conscious decision to say, you know what, I'm going to stop today. I'm going to take a break today. I'm going to pause today. Just don't wait for you to get to a point of burnout because I think it usually, and I, when I was reading that book, I related a lot. He was saying he got to a state of burnout for him to be like, I love that. I need to wake up and I need to do this. I need to check yeah. myself. I need to make better decisions. But you know, the other thing that's also very profound, like a lot of the times we might have this conversation about, okay, I need to make a change in my life. But rarely do we get to that point where we make a change. That's and true. he left like a big church that he had created when he realized mm-hmm. oh, this isn't fulfilling for me. This I'm not living in a way that's accordance with like the kind of spirituality I want to develop. My guy, mm-hmm. he created a small church where he could serve people, where he could live in like an unhurried life. He made mm-hmm. the sacrifices. And that's one thing I really admire because I think making that sacrifice is where like we might understand where we need to make changes but making the sacrifice that's where the hard work is yeah like I think it's that's it is it's it's really really it takes a lot of courage to say I'm gonna step away for some from something like this like something where you know you're gonna be judged and people will talk like it takes a lot of courage to say, you know what, this is not serving me and I'm going to go for that thing that serves me. It really resonated with me that he was sharing his life, like sharing how he worked through this to come yeah. upon these principles for himself and how this has benefited his relationship with his family, just his mm. own health normally. He, I loved how he talked about how when he first stepped back, right, he didn't just become a productive person. No, he went to therapy. He started reading again. He's it was nice to see like the process because yes you you burn out right you're like I need to change and you finally want to confront yourself but it doesn't happen in one day it takes a while yeah. for you to get to a point where you finally feel like okay I'm at equilibrium 
and I can finally take in this, all of the things that happened in this moment, I can finally say, okay, I've processed it, I've dealt with it, and I'm moving yeah. forward in a healthy, a healthy manner. And I love that he shows you that a lot of what goes on behind the scenes before you get to the point where you're living that life. Mm. And I also love that he talks about the fact that, yes, you might have, you might want this to be your default, but there will be times that you slip and you have to make sure you check yourself. You Which come back honest. to your core principles. I really love that as well. Yeah, I know. As I was reading it, it kind of just made me think about what activities do we find that centers us? I think you were, you were speaking about it earlier. But for me, without like a shadow of the doubt, it's walking. Like when I walk, I find that like I'm so I'm so present in the moment and I you don't get mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot of that moment. Because the irony is, as I was reading this book as well, I was thinking of the fact that we have in our, in our religion, we have so many opportunities for us to be present but the irony is that a lot of us as muslims we actually struggle to be present in our salah and the essence of salah is that we are like we are consumed by so many things mm-hmm. so i don't know like mm-hmm. in your kind of um like over the years what are the what are the things that you think that you've done or the small steps that you've done that have helped you to be more present not just spiritually but just in life in general i think for one of the things my biggest i would say was before i used to be someone who used to multitask right oh multitasking is a good thing and the yeah. moment I, I read more into it and i realized that it wasn't a good thing just like a few years ago maybe three years ago four years ago i that was the first thing i stopped i stopped multitasking and i think that helps a lot because you're more present in everything not just in what you're doing but even in conversations because sometimes you can be talking to someone and be trying to finish something in the background but yeah. you know that you cannot come into two things at the same time it's either you're really listening to somebody speak to you or you're paying attention to the thing you're trying to do and it's just you cannot have divided attention and so that was one of the things I tried to incorporate I'm so guilty of multitasking I'll be doing it all the time <laughs> and there's some things anyway, I could, you could multitask like I don't know maybe when I'm when I'm vacuuming for example I could be listening to something and I'm doing the dishes I could be listening to something but when it's more like a task that requires concentration I try not to especially in conversations now that we're on zoom it's so easy to pull up another window and say hey I'm gonna do this while I chat to yeah, this person and true. I just try to be very conscious of it because it was easier to not multitask when we were not obviously in lockdown right because it's easier to be present and the second thing I noticed personally is that if I just finished doing something intense like I don't know something that required a lot of thinking or a conversation I cannot go and pray right after mm. and the reason I say this I, do, I think it was in this book I'd read there was a story shared about how this during the colonization times a, a lady some white lady went to this village and she'd asked the villagers to help her carry her stuff and they arrived in, in another town like at, later on at night and then they slept and they woke up and the lady was like let's go like and the, the men the townsmen who had helped her carry her stuff were like we can't go and then yeah. she was like why and then she, they were like they're waiting for their souls to catch up with their body and I thought that was Ooh. perfect because I realized that when I finish I a conversation that. like now and I go to pray because I haven't given myself time to digest the information process it it's going to cloud my mind when I'm praying. Mm. And so I always try to have stuff between when I've done something that's like, I don't know, time intensive, energy intensive, or just conversation related. Just take a break before I like rush to pray or go to pray because I know that my mind is just going to go around and be thinking about all of the things that I, was, I haven't yet processed from coming away from that conversation. Yeah. Um, so that's something I try to do. That point is actually like, that's the, that's the, yeah, no, I think for everyone, what centers them will be so 
different like but I definitely mm-hmm. agree with you in terms of like last year a huge kind of like goal for me was just being present to the moment and I feel like I actually did that a lot but strangely enough since I've been back I feel like I've fallen back into some like patterns that I just want to be aware of. I think sometimes the environment obviously influences you. It does. No, I was just going to say another thing that I find like really helps in terms of presence is journaling, like writing, Mm -hmm. reading for me. I like if I'm reading a good book, I find that I'm like absorbed completely. If I'm journaling, particularly, I think journaling allows you to go to be present to your emotions, to be present to your reality to fully express um and it takes so much off your chest but with Salah as well I think it's just like acknowledging that there will be moments where your concentration is going to lapse but trying to pull back by remembering what it is that you're actually saying Mm -hmm. like exactly Mm -hmm. like kind of thinking okay what's the meaning of what I'm saying yeah that helps a lot but you know also like I was reading this article of research this research article that someone wrote for Yaqeen Institute about how mindfulness has been a present has been a practice in in, like the religion of Islam for a long time and how silence is should be the default of a believer and how like the scholars of the old times would spend a lot of time reflecting and I think if reflecting becomes a constant practice you would find it slightly easier to concentrate in salah not that it's easy I'm not saying it's easy but I think because you start to train your mind when you're being mindful when you sit down in solitude and when you're just sitting with yourself and being mm. able to call your thoughts like acknowledge your thoughts and like pay attention to how you're feeling in the moment I think because what you do outside of prayer actually influences the way that you pray Exactly. So I, I just feel like so when you start to get into the habit of pause and slowing down in general, I think that translates into your prayer as well, sure. um, to a large extent. Basically, yeah. I mean, maybe there are times where you'd have like stressful moments or intense moments, and then maybe you'd be struggling to concentrate. But I think in general, if you try to practice awareness in all that all that you do, I always notice that I. I feel that in my prayer as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with you on the in like in terms of writing. Like when I do creative writing, when I write journal, when I journal, I'm literally just in the zone. You know how they say you're in the moment and you can't, you're not even aware of what's happening around you because Mm. you're in in the moment. Yeah. That's the best thing. I find that writing does that for me. I know, I love it. I love it. Also, I feel like just in general, um, in terms of the topic of hurry and how we eliminate hurry from our lives. It's also acknowledging that you can't do everything. And I feel like a lot of us, we feel this pressure to do and be everything at all times. And the way, like, man, we need to have, like, a proper sit-down with ourselves about what actually matters to me. Because if you're trying to stretch in 20 different places, you are going to feel hurried because you are going to feel like, okay, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing Y, I need to be doing X. Mm -hmm. And I think now, personally, my focus has just changed that I'm like, I can't do all things at one time. Like, I I believe in that concept Mm -hmm. of seasons a lot now. I agree. Like, there's a season for everything. everything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And part Mm -hmm. of, like, and part of it is like I'm gonna let go of one thing in this season knowing that like yes I can come back to it later but it allows me to be more present in this moment and to enjoy it Mm -hmm. and to savor my life like that's that's the purpose of life where we are actually supposed to be like present to it and appreciate it and enjoy it exactly can't control anything but the moment that you're in like just I mean just be basically yeah Um, it's difficult but I think it's important to cultivate you know it like I think there's a hadith as well where the Prophet says like hate or hurrying is from shaitan and it reminds me when I reflect on the times where I've made like really 
maybe bad decisions or just decisions I regret immediately it's happened it's because I'd rushed to do that then I'm giving you that I should have just slowed down I should have just thought about it before I did it I should have just waited before like May a lot of the time like when I find myself regretting a decision then I go back and I'm like ah did I place the car out and I'm like nope because I might have been in a hurry when I did it but it's so Mm. true if you Mm -hmm. give time to decision making it gives you so like it gives you a much clearer space to be able to do things as opposed to Mm -hmm. if you're trying to like hurry it hurry hurry it yeah what else stood out to you about the book like there's just quite a few things he said I think something I really liked was how he was like hurry and love are like oil and water and they do not mix Mm. And he was like, love has its speed, it's an inner speed, it's a spiritual speed, it's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. And I think I thought about it not just in like romantic love, but in every form of the form of love. So when I think about, for example, relationships with other people, if I want to cultivate a loving relationship with my family, my friends, even with strangers requires time and presence. Mm. I cannot say trying to maybe even help someone than be in a rush at the same time because because you're in a rush I know that your attention isn't there and it makes me feel like you don't really want to do this thing you're just doing it because maybe you feel like you have to maybe to tick some points maybe to I don't know literally whatever but like when there's hurry it gives off the sense that you don't really care enough to be there to be present while Mm. you're doing this thing I think about it as well in work like you know when I think about doing work whatever it is writing or anything when you work or act from a place of love you take your time right That's because you true. want to nurture this thing and you want to I don't know I guess watch it grow put in the effort and the energy but I feel like when you don't care about something that's when you rush I mean sometimes you do rush even when you care um, and sometimes it is in the inevitable circumstances but I think for you to put love into anything at all you need to actually take time like it just requires you to slow down and to be present and I really really loved that about the book that's a beautiful point I love it the quote that you said where he was saying love as its speed is an inner speed is spiritual speed it's a different kind of speed from mm-hmm. the technological speed to which we are accustomed why what I also really liked in terms of like technological speed there's a whole section of the book that's devoted towards materialism and I really appreciated that he acknowledged that there's a cost to the convenience society that we created where we want everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instantly like snap my fingers and it's here but we're not acknowledging the societal impact of wanting things conveniently for us like when he was talking about if we mm-hmm. are in the west and we're earning a particular kind of salary then we're in the top bracket of the world and like the impact of our decisions and the impact of our need for convenience on other people's lives that we often don't acknowledge. that was actually really really that was important deep. i really loved I appreciated that it. i really really loved that actually because i think we just gloss over it like oh i want this to be mm-hmm. convenient and that's it but like actually maybe we should let go of convenience in some areas of our lives so that everyone can live in a way that's equitable and in a way that's just mm-hmm. and I find that we're not mm-hmm. having that conversation um enough I, I, I'll find the extract because we're going to do a bonus episode reading our favorite extracts I'll find it there but that really stuck that really um spoke to me like the relationship between materialism hurry and the spiritual consequences mm-hmm. and the societal consequences of it you know what else it reminded me of it reminded me of how hurry hurry in and instant gratification is sometimes killing relationships yeah. i re- don't remember who i was speaking to but i think it was an older person and they were talking about how like in their times when people didn't have instant messaging you send a message to someone you wait for them to oh respond or not respond <laughs> 
um, and you just wait, right? You just wait for a response. But now yep. when you someone texts and you don't see them respond to your text and you can still see their last scene as like, or they're online, you get mad. Like we have this entitlement, right? Because mm. now we can see that the person can respond right now, but then there could be so many other things going on with the person that might be causing them to not want to respond. And I remember I'd seen someone on Twitter say, I think he was taking a break, right? He wasn't responding to DMs in the moment because he said he was, he was stressed and he was yeah. like, taking a break. And I remember he, he then tweeted to all those who have DM'd me, I'm sorry, I'm something along the lines of maybe sorry I'm not responding. And you can still see me on Twitter. Um, it's just because I need a break on Twitter is the way that I kind of like give myself a break Yeah. sometimes. And I was like, the fact that we even have to apologize for not getting back to people, but like still being able to scroll on Twitter. <laughs> It's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, I think there's two sides to that. <laughs> no, because I feel like I tend to be on the other end. Like sometimes if I've forgotten to reply to someone and then I'm about to post mm-hmm. something and I remembered that I haven't replied to someone. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm like, if they see me posting now, they'll be like, girl, where's my response? You're rude. <laughs> yeah, I so get then you. I'll respond to them first and then post what I want to post. I just yeah. feel like, yeah, it's courtesy sometimes. It is a sense of entitlement at the same time because I have an expectation I mean I know messages should be replied to but if you text someone there might be a lot of I mean some people just don't reply because they don't feel like it but some yeah, people I know true. someone who doesn't reply when he doesn't feel like he's in the mental state to reply to a message yeah and he was like he'd rather give the message time than respond quickly and type something and then the conversation ends I agree with and, that. and I, I totally that. respect that same same yeah I definitely don't need people to reply to me instantly but I can like I think like from my end I, I do feel guilty if I don't reply to people in a timely manner just because I take the mic I take the mic sometimes no I take the mic sometimes like someone can message me today and it might be tomorrow before I reply <laughs> yeah I know that's why I said I don't know why you feel guilty it's your I default do. <laughs> bless your heart I'm gonna man. improve guys no. one day one day at a time one day That's at a Sometimes I read a message, um, especially on WhatsApp, and I just think I don't have the mental energy to process this. So I just mark it as unread, and it might take me a week to get back to it. Yeah. Um, we don't have our blue ticks on anyway, so you can't know if I've read it. So That's the joy, isn't it? You can use your brain to assess if I read it or not, but there's no proof. Yeah, I guess so, but I just so feel like people need to understand that some people need, sometimes people just don't, some people don't want to respond, especially if it's not something like, hey, are you home? Or like, hey, do you have time? Like, if it's something that just requires me to respond to, like, maybe, I don't know, a longer message, or sometimes yeah. you just read something, you're like, I don't want to even have to think about this. I want some time but some people really get upset about this yeah yeah I think for me the reason why like a message would get delayed is if I don't for me actually if I don't reply to something instantly then it just slips down yeah it just slips down but if I like if Uh, I see it and I'm not doing anything and I reply to it instantly then it's like sharp sharp I can like get into it but if not it might be the next day before I do it again Mm, that's really interesting it's for me the conscious decision like okay I see this but I just don't feel like I can reply right now because I Mm. just can't the last thing I want to touch on is part of this book, like a lot of it, I, we mentioned in the disclaimer that like some of the theological aspect don't align with that Islamic belief because what he does like really well, and I think particularly for Christians who do read the book, he draws a lot on the life of Jesus to illustrate like his point. As I, mm-hmm. as I, was, as I was reading mm-hmm. it, it just reminded me of the importance of us just continually learning and connecting with the seer of the Prophet Sallallahu like in the way that he lived his life because we were mentioning mm-hmm. the example mm-hmm. earlier of like before he even became prophet like going to the cave of Hira and like meditating and reflecting and that like part of his like quality was that he he would pray to Hajjad consistently and there's so many like it's just for us to realize 
there's a role model already exists for us and that we should be drawing lessons from his life from his life I agree. how it connects yeah how it connects with us you know what my favorite thing about this year is what is it you can never learn everything everything never. i've listened to at least four or five different series of the prophet right? and they're long okay, yeah. and it's always new lessons always new lessons like you can never know all of it there's always something different to take away like so many different angles his relationship with his family with his friends with his companions how he ruled like how he was as a leader like this is so many different angles i was about how did he manage it or like so i don't know i i, I think about that as well. we complain about, about having a lot on our plate and i'm like imagine being the leader of a complete community and you have this task to spread the message you have your family you have your friends and people felt like they had enough time with him like you remember that story of everyone thought he was the there was best, best friend, friend. like <laughs> I love that story so much but in yeah, my, like, to be same. able to do that to someone that's deep actually you know what today i read something it was so short i think um shakia sokadi was like it was like we don't talk about the little very tiny things mm. in like hadith in the religion so he shared a story about how one time the prophet peace be upon him was given a lecture yeah. yeah and he saw a man who was listening to the lecture he'd come to join but he was standing in the hot sun mm. the person narrating was the person it happened to and he was like and the prophet peace be upon him the moment he spotted him he gestured towards him that there's a space to sit down okay. under the shade of the sun. And Shekia Sukadi was like, it takes a lot for you who is doing a lecture to notice someone and then even notice that there's an empty seat. And then whilst giving the lecture, gesture to the person to go find somewhere, like, like to look at this place where there's shade for them to sit down. Like, uh-huh. It takes a lot of processing to do this, but it also Presence takes a lot of awareness. empathy and compassion. Exactly, exactly. Um, and thinking about other people right because someone else could have seen that and just been like okay whatever right i mean why didn't they see and just it? not process <laughs> it sorry. in that way yeah exactly. that's why some people will be like ah uh-uh. and they in your like it's your joy <laughs> <laughs> but you know what that's why the oh my God. <laughs> hopefully we don't have any if there's anyone if there's anyone that's a yoruba listener text me what that means or email me what that <laughs> obviously i know what it means i'm just testing other people <laughs> But yeah, no, like the compassion, um, yeah, the compassion, the presence of Papa Tarsem in his life is so inspirational. So let's mm-hmm. get on to our favorite quote. Oh no, I have one more favorite thing to talk about the yeah, book go on. before we go into the quote. I think my favorite part of the book was the last section yeah. because he breaks down these four principles. I think he called them the four S's. And the first one was silence and solitude. I've been, I mean, we've already spoken a lot about it. I loved how, again, he not only talks about the importance, but he gives you practical ways. You know, I love that he says every month he books one day away from everything same. and he just reflects on his life and that. how the month has gone. And same, I think it's such an important practice to have because you just need to account for where how the month has gone in every aspect of your life, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically, literally just accounting for yourself and just yeah i remember that one time bringing yourself to focus go on our internet wasn't working and i didn't want to i didn't want to buy internet that day because it was going to fix it was going to get fixed the next day i'm telling you that's when i realized how much time i actually have because all i did was read and play because i was like there's nothing for me to do i can't log on to youtube Mm. i can't check my phone (laughs) there's literally nothing for me to do so it's true like if we if you if we start off with like making that a monthly practice at least you know one day in the week 
you're grounded in something that's not like distraction mm. that's not technology so mm-hmm. i mean i, I agree yeah i agree Go on, sorry and the second s was sabbath so i mean sabbath we don't practice sabbath as muslims but i still felt like it was something i would want to incorporate in my life maybe not an entire day but for him for example with his family on friday night they all switch up their phones and put it in a box and they spend friday evening to saturday evening just doing things together or separately you could be reading a book it could be baking it could be literally whatever it is that you're doing yeah but it was just i love that they take the time out every week to switch up and i remembered how he was saying it's not a thing where you fill up your schedule monday to friday and then use sabbath to just crash it was mm. like no it's, it's just it should be a practice that informs the rest of your week it's not saying you shouldn't sleep in of course you can sleep in right but also do yeah. other things that fill your spirit, right that fill you up and energize you and nurture you so that you go into the week just feeling good and not feeling like you need to rush through it again like you're running I really love that yeah yeah like just having one day in the week where you're recharging and I I was trying to say I I literally was like to myself at least one day I mean I used to try to do that at least one day Saturday or Sunday where I'm not doing anything in that sense I mean it could be reading or I don't know painting or drawing but nothing that requires energy or like too much intensity and I think it's so important and then the third one was simplicity I really liked simplicity because he talked a lot about like minimalism yeah he was obviously talking about I loved how he was talking about just thinking about the things that you have and whether or not they serve you whether you even need these things true um because even a cluttered space can sometimes lead to a cluttered mind and I fact. think that's so true. Fact, fact. Um, and the fourth one is slowing. And the slowing, I think he just gave like lots of lists of things that you can do to slow down. And I mean, one of them, which I found funny, which I actually experimented with, was um, turning your smartphone into a brick phone. And he was talking about how you can change your phone to grayscale. Yeah. And I remember I changed my phone to grayscale and it was a different vibe. Like there was really? no need to be on the phone because it was just... It was black and white, man. The only reason I turned about the color is because I, I was actually surprised because there was nothing to. It wasn't attractive because it was all gray. Oh. Um. The reason I changed about the colors because I love using my phone to take pictures. Um. And obviously, then the pictures all come out gray. I mean, they are in color, but because I'm, my phone's in gray, when I actually yeah. want to take the picture, I didn't see what it actually looks like. Oh. Um. So I was like, oh my day. Unfortunately, and then you said join a long queue. I said my um slowing down practice is not there yet oh my god i'm sorry it frustrates me if i'm joining a long queue what am i doing there <laughs> you know i actually tried it i remember the next day and it was so good because when you're in was the that... queue there's nothing you can do but stand right true and, and that's why it's there. exhausting <laughs> okay maybe i'll try it i'll give it a try i'll give it a try i think slowing down and walking as well because i walk really fast so those two yeah things, I, 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 yeah i'll try well. i'll try same. doing same <laughs> yeah. i started trying to walk slower and slower and then when i catch myself walking fast i immediately ask myself where you're rushing to i mean unless i'm late for something and that's different but in general i try to leave home extra early so i can actually have the time to walk slower and then not feel like i need to rush that reminds me you know one thing that i actually started doing because i realized when i was doing like my evening at the car i was starting to just like get really distracted like i couldn't sit still and just like because i listened to an audio and then i just say after i couldn't sit still and just do it like i want to be doing something off my phone so now what i do is i wear like outside clothes before i pray after and the minute i finish praying after 
I take my phone and my headphone and I go for a walk and I just do my evening as far as I'm walking. Yeah. And I just find that like it helps me and I like get out of the house. But I just feel more present than if I was in the house. So that's my tip. Guys. That's why I stopped listening to it. I mean, I listen to it when I'm walking or when I'm out or when I'm home, yeah. I don't listen to it unless I'm like unable to read it because I know that I'm more likely to be distracted I'm generally not a listener to stuff anyway because and that's one of the reasons why I find it difficult to focus on stuff that's why I can't do an audiobook for example because like two seconds in I'm already like you're like your mind is somewhere else uh, yeah I'm just like what am I listening to but yeah and I think in simplicity it summed it up pretty well with a quote about like a declutter in your house it was like have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful and do not believe to be beautiful and I love that so much because I think we could have like 20 things and only wear like four things because we really like those four things that's true but then you'd be like yeah one day I'd wear those other 16 things and so on but yeah it's an interesting practice I mean each to their own I feel like you could definitely benefit from the book you might not take every single thing that he says for sure I think you could definitely benefit from I highlighted a a few of the tips same same I agree that's what I'm gonna leave it okay um favorite quotes okay my first one is if the devil can't make you sin he will make you busy both sin and busyness have the exact same effect they cut off your connection to God to other people and even to your own soul and I thought that was actually quite profound because it's true it's like, accurate yeah Such like accuracy. you become so busy that you become too busy for God and the irony you, is very obvious yeah because yeah, you're not reflecting right and I was you know what I was listening to hard work again yesterday and started Rahman Murphy was talking about how you know how the verse rarely with difficulty comes ease, right? That's mm-hmm. how some people translate it. But it's actually also that while you're in difficulty, there is ease in that difficulty. And he was saying how when you spend time reflecting and being aware, you realize there's miracles in your everyday life that you don't notice because so you're true. so busy. And you can only then notice that and therefore be thankful to God and therefore improve your relationship with God if you slow down. However, when you're constantly busy and you don't notice these things, what do you have? You have a negative mindset. God doesn't love me. Or like all of these bad things are happening to me. Oh my God, I can't believe it. No good things ever happen. And all of that things, but like there might have been little good things happening, but you don't notice that because you're so focused on all of the things that are not working out because you're so busy, right? Um, so that quote reminded me of that. you're chasing after the actually. next thing, it robs you of being like present enough to appreciate what mm-hmm. is actually beautiful about your current life. Like that's actually, I think that's yeah. one of the biggest life lessons I've learned in the past three years as well. Like if you if you just slow down enough, you notice that you have so many gifts, like so many, like no matter how hard mm. your circumstances might be, there is like one or two things that you can really look at and say like, Alhamdulillah, I'm so grateful for these things. Yeah. What's your what's one of your favorite quotes? My first one is why am I in such a rush to become somebody I don't even like? I think that struck really really hard. And because I feel like sometimes we don't stop to actually ask ourselves why we're pursuing all of the things that we're pursuing. Yeah. Um, and I love that he said that because when you're so busy, as we said already, it impacts the person that you are, the relationships that you have, how you the kind of things that you do in those relationships how you manifest or how does it how you are you might be someone who becomes snappy right because you're always busy oh my god I don't have time and so you snap at people you don't create space and it's like you're becoming someone that you you don't like um and it's like why don't you just slow down and just work on those things that matter and those things are important so I really loved that quote I love that too beautiful quote my next one is pathological business distraction and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives I'm just going to highlight that wow. as, a, as a triangle. 
to remember. <laughs> yeah, I think this this book he actually he articulated a lot of things I was Very thinking. Well. And I was like, wow. I like it. Wow. I dig it. So, What's your next one? So, what you give your attention to is the person that you become. I love that so much because he was talking about how we would say, oh, money is a very valuable currency or time, but it's actually attention because you could have time, but you might not be paying attention to it. You might not be present in the moment. And it's all of the things that you're giving your attention to. I don't know what you watch, what you listen to. They feed your heart and they feed like the person that you become. Basically. Which links to my last quote, the mind is the portal to the soul and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave attention to. Love it. I love it. I mean, that's absolutely. I like that in the book you were talking about attention economy as well. That's a whole other book, man. Like somebody used to write somebody used to write a book about that from an Islamic perspective, actually. Because it's true. Like a lot of these technological companies are very apparent and honest about the fact that our our attention we are the product we're not confused Mm -hmm. yeah like our our attention is what's up for sale and we have to like yeah we have to find ways to minimize that impact anyway reclaim it yeah reclaim reclaim your time maxine (laughs) i love that (laughs) my last quote is life is a series of choices every yes is a thousand no's every activity we give our time to is a thousand other activities we can't give our time to because duh, you can't be in two places at once. And I love the simplicity of that because when you, for example, choose to watch a TV series or whatever it is you choose to do, when you choose to not read a book, when you choose to, I don't know, listen to something you don't like, it's you could have chosen to listen to something you like. You could have chosen to read a book. You could have chosen to go to go for a walk. That time that you've done something that you don't like or something that you don't want to do or something that you actually want to do is a time that something else could have been done it done in you cannot reclaim that time right so just choosing wisely what you say yes to basically yeah i feel like regret over time is one of the biggest things man like as you get older you just realize you never get your time back like a lot of things you can Mm -hmm. reclaim in some parts but time once it's gone it's gone so yes what is the latest book that you're reading Anyways, I'm currently reading It's Not Common Sense by Why did you, why did you gasp first I mean, before you started? That's my question. I just, I just wanted to take a deep breath because it's just breath. I had to think about my experience with the book before I said the name and I was like, oh God. Okay, I know the author, yeah. Don't go, don't go hard. I'm I'm just being honest. I don't think the book is bad. I think it's just that I'm I don't think the, the content is good. It's just that the style of writing is not my content. It's not for you. That's okay. what I would say. Yeah. At all. Cool. Because boy, I think I rolled my eyes 50 times in the first three pages. <laughs> oh, and it took a lot of strength to not put it down. So um because there is there is content in the book that's valuable. Yeah, I'm it's looking forward to the writing it. style for me. I'm just like, boy, oh boy. I, when I was reading it, it, it it's a lot. It's written in the style that a lot of copywriters encourage nowadays. Like even with my I know, now, I know. yeah, it's very that's, like. It that's why I don't like. I don't like that stuff. You don't like it, don't like but for it. some reason, I don't some like people think it works. So that's why. I yeah, it does for yeah. some people. I think because people feel like you're talking to them personally. You're yeah. being more what's the word informal and like you're connected. I don't know, but I just I don't like that stuff. Sorry, just okay. Yeah. Writers out there, so I just said she doesn't like your standard <laughs> copywriting skills. Nah, it's just. I, one of the reasons why I couldn't go into copywriting because I remember someone was like, "Why don't you consider copywriting?" And I was like, "Boy, please, just." It's a particular yeah. style of writing. 
It is a very particular style of writing. Those who are good at it are good at it, though. Everyone needs copywriting to some extent because you need to be able to sell things. But I think of what course. works definitely. I don't think I'll be the one who's doing the work, basically. <sighs> you delegate it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I am what about to start reading Man and the Universe by Mustafa Al Badawi because our next episode of Conversation will be on Nickgate. And a lot of people might not know what it's about. But next week, you know. So we will be discussing masculinity. And um, why are you laughing for? It's laughing because... It's going to be a catchy episode. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> what is masculinity? <laughs> you know what? What I actually want to hear is, wow. if you, if you listen on. to this and you're a guy, the conversation is going to be about is there a crisis of masculinity? And we find that a lot of the conversations that are happening in the Muslim community right now is about um, this fear that masculinity is under attack, that masculinity is being eroded. And so far, I haven't found I haven't found a concrete definition of masculinity that actually that makes sense to me. So I would love for someone to write in and tell us what their opinions are on this topic so that by next week we at least have different opinions to consider mm. and discuss. So it's not just mm. us two mm. yearning. Mm. But yeah, I'm gonna That's leave it to there. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> okay. Um is there anything else that you wanna say? Nah, just read this book. I thought I think it's a really good book for like just reflecting and recentering your life. I mean, no better time than now. That said, that is the end of our show. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Observations. We hope you've gained benefit from the discussion. If you've enjoyed the episode, remember to like, review, comment, and share it with friends and family. Bookversations is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, and several other platforms. Email us your thoughts at bookversationspod at gmail.com and let us know what books you want us to check out. Till next time, remember, remember to, to read. read.